Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today, we're going to talk about teen suicide. If you're not a teenager, what we're going to learn today still applies to you. Because you may be a parent, an uncle, an aunt. You may know someone, a neighbor. You might be a neighbor of someone who is a teenager or even a preteen. Maybe they're going into their teenage years. And regardless, the challenges facing teenagers are also some of the challenges adults face. When we look at the two main factors that contribute to teen suicide from research, it shows that social isolation and humiliation and shame. Those two things combined are what's contributing to 12 suicides per day by kids age uh, 18 or 15 to 24. So 15 to 24 uh, is, is what this research is based on. Whether you are a teenager or not, social isolation is uh, a factor, is a challenge, especially as we get older, right? Um, I'll do an episode on uh, the elderly and suicide coming up, and we know that social isolation comes into play there. Uh, you know, I'm 47, I just moved, and so there's a, a feeling of social isolation because, uh, you know, I'm still learning about the people in the neighborhood. And then humiliation and shame. You never... <laughs> We never outgrow uh, the ability to feel humiliation and or shame. So this is for everyone, but um, but I, I definitely want to speak to um, the teen suicide numbers. And this comes from a school, uh, an article that I read about a school where they had four suicides in one month. And, and these were, you know, separate events. It would be different if it was all at the same time. Not that it would be better, but if it was at the same time, then you go, okay, that was a group thing. But when you have four individual, when it's spread out like that, um, it, it shows that there's something going on either within that environment or within teenagers all around. Uh, so let's look at the impact of social isolation that teenagers may face, right? Because that is a pervasive challenge. And it can show up in, in many different forms from cyberbullying. I know that there, there was this one case where uh, a kid thought he was chatting, a, a boy thought he was chatting with a girl, and so was sending her pics. And then the girl turned out to be a man who threatened to share those pics uh, with family members and friends. And as a result, uh, you know, the, the boy ended his life. And it's so sad because cyberbullying takes place all the time. And then we also, when we think about cyberbullying, we also we we often think about the aggressiveness of it. Someone attacking us through the internet. But sometimes cyberbullying can be the exclusion or the ostracization of someone on social media. If you, you know, I have a Marco Polo group, and it's uh, four of us in there. If I were to you know, someone were to get kicked out, that can be a form of cyberbullying. Or if I keep muting someone as they're talking, 
So there's so many different ways that cyberbullying can take place from, uh, you know, incessant emails and, uh, or, or, you know, the threat of sending information that we don't want out there. So cyberbullying is, is really, can really lead to social isolation. Um, and then with that, uh, that online harassment, you know, because that can cause emotional distress and reinforcing feelings of exclusion. And then we also have, with social media, this pressure to conform to uh, a curated online persona. And then you get that, that thing where you have to compare yourself to everyone else and what they're wearing and what they're doing and where they're going. And that just makes you feel like you're not doing enough. You're not keeping up with the Joneses. Everyone else is on to the next thing. And now you have to catch up. You have to be wearing the new shoes, the new clothes, um, attending different events and concerts. Uh, even with the holidays, you know, coming up around, you know, with the holidays being here, some people are going skiing in the Alps and then, you know, may, maybe you're working. So, you know, when it seems like everyone else is living this baller life, this great life, and they're sharing it and talking about it and laughing about it, then it makes us want to shut down. We don't want to say what we did over the holidays if it doesn't compare to what everyone else was doing. We don't want to share, uh, you know, what we ate or where we went or what we're wearing if it seems like everyone else is uh, going to cooler places, wearing better clothes. Uh, and so we just start to shut down and isolate because we just feel like no matter what we do, we can't keep up. And then on top of that, if, you, if you're an adolescent, you know, contributing to that social isolation is if you're struggling with mental health issues such as depression or anxiety, you may find, you may find yourself uh, further isolated due to the social stigma of it. And, you know, I, I know personally where people find out, oh, you struggle with depression, they don't want to hang out with you because they think it's um, uh, contagious or you're just like, you know, that Debbie Downer kind of thing. Everybody wants an upper. Everybody wants people who are excited and wants to high five and chest bump and all that. But nobody wants the opposite. Nobody wants, or I don't even say the opposite, but the other side of that coin, uh, which is, you know, depressive, lethargic, um, not wanting to get out of bed. It, it, no one wants that, you know, worried about the future. And so there's that stigma especially if you're taking meds for it. They're like, oh, you need meds for your brain? Like, is something wrong with you? It's like, just get out of bed and do it. And then, you know, people will bring up what their parents are doing or how they've overcome or, you know, I struggle with it too, but I'm fine now. You're still dealing with that? That kind of thing. So that lack of understanding surrounding mental health can lead to a sense of alienation. Um, as you know, we start to fear judgment and rejection from other people. And also teachers, sometimes the teachers, the adults, the staff, they don't understand. They're like, why can't you just do this? Um, you know, why are you wearing the same clothes every day? Uh, brush your teeth, you know, all these different things. So there's just this lack of overall understanding of what depression is and what anxiety is. People just lump those things together. They don't know the difference between depression anxiety and suicidal ideation they just think they're all the same thing they just you know either you're crazy 
or you're not crazy or something's they go something's wrong with you and so the more you you start to hear those messages you don't want to open up you don't want to share if it's going to be shut down or oh, I, I, I like that alliteration you know be share if it's going to be anyway so you know when we when we talk about social isolation it, it really can stem from this feeling of i'm i'm the only one going through this and no one around me seems to understand if your parents divorce that can be a uh, that can lead to social isolation where you feel like everybody has two parents and they're going home to these loving homes and you're like wow my parents argue all the time they're breaking up they're getting a divorce or you have an abusive parent so now you have to wear long sleeves to school no one talks about this i remember like i used to get whippings with the belt and it i mean it left welts on my arm to the point where i had to go to school with with long sleeves so uh the the welts wouldn't show from the belt or the extension cord right and so that can lead to social isolation because now you know if my friends want to touch me i'm like ah don't touch me there that kind of thing so there's so many different ways that we can feel socially isolated and then you got the lunch issue right where if everybody's bringing great lunches that their parents made and you have to go get a free lunch that can be embarrassing and now they don't want to sit with you or eat with you because you're the free lunch kid and it means your your parents aren't making enough money etc so social isolation is 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 huge amongst teenagers and then you know talking about humiliation and shame you know i just did an episode about uh, how to cope with humiliation but if you're a teenager you know the, the the backtrack a little bit when we talk about teenagers one of the things that makes it really challenging for teenagers to cope with these different emotions and challenges is that their hormones are at a thousand and I don't mean hormones just in like sexual drive, but all the chemicals in their body from oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin, endorphins, testosterone, estrogen, all those things are just pumping out at a thousand percent. As we get older, we don't release as much of the dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. It, that's why when we think about our teenage love, it still gives us the fuzzies and the butterflies in our stomach because that's when our emotions, that's when the chemicals in our system were at its peak, were at its apex. And so when we talk about humiliation and shame for teenagers, it can feel 10 times more intense because they have that many more chemicals flooding their systems. And so, um, and it's a, it's a silent tormentor. That's right. Humiliation and shame is like that silent killer. It's almost like, a, was it CO2 in the house? Because it can really impact our feeling of self-worth, that public humiliation, such as like bullying, body shaming. You see this with uh, cheerleaders where, you know, I have to weigh a certain weight. Even as a football player, you don't want to be skinny you know, guys are always in the gym working out, doing push-ups. And, you know, we always compared who had the biggest chest. And if you had scrawny arms, we'd make fun of you. So there's body shaming for both boys and girls. It, it didn't matter whether you were too big or too small or too anything. You could be the subject of being body shamed. Too tall even. 
you know, a lot of times we don't talk about students who are too, are so tall. I can't imagine, you know, like if you're in the NBA, a WNBA or NBA, it's cool that you're there now and you're having fun. But if you're in middle school, imagine a middle school girl who is six feet tall, right? And the desks are do not adjust. That's just awful. That's painful. And, you know, we don't talk enough about the body shaming and how awkward uh, that can be for kids of all shapes and sizes. Or if you're in a wheelchair and just navigating that, right? And then you have the, the personal struggle, struggles that, uh, uh, of, you know, maybe a girl starts her period and no one's talked to her about what that is. And, and, and she can go months uh, having this experience and not really understanding it and, and not really knowing how to cope with it or if she gets pregnant. So that type of, uh, that's that kind of silent, tor- tor- uh, of being silently tormented because you don't know what's happening with your body or, or why these parts are developing the way they are or why your voice is changing or your skin is breaking out. So many ways in which a, a teenager can experience humiliation and shame. And with that, grades, right? If if your grades aren't up to par or your friends, it seems like they're going to uh, a great college and, and you're, you're going to maybe uh, a JUCO or a junior college. Uh, Michelle and I were at lunch the other day and this kid uh, who are, was our server, Caden, said, uh, he's like, yeah, right now I'm going, hey, I just graduated from high school and I'm going to a JUCO. And Michelle didn't know what a JUCO was. And, and par- I think part of people not knowing what a JUCO is, is if, you're, if you go to a school where a lot of people are going to college, the, the JUCO doesn't even come up. It's not even part of the vernacular. So you may know junior college, but you may not know that it's called a JUCO because no one in your circle is going to a JUCO or even talking about it. It's not even in the realm of um, being acceptable. So there, there's certain uh, languages and terms and acronyms uh, that you can't use or that other people won't understand because they're not in that space. Um, and, and it, you know, I remember I used to love to, I still love to read, but I always love to read in class. But if you have dyslexia, that can be a source of humiliation and shame where the, the letters are backwards or, or missing or, or what have you. Um, if you're a kid with a hearing, uh, a di- you know, a disability, uh, that that can be a thing. Or even language barriers. The number of I had a, a Uber driver who um, is from Mexico, d- doesn't speak English, and I was like, wow, how I thought it was super cool. I think it's super cool when people come here; they don't know the language, and yet they can get a job and uh, put clothes on their back and food in their belly. I always admire that. I would imagine, though, if you're a teenager and you're coming into a country where you don't speak the language, how that could possibly lead to humiliation and shame. That could also make you the cool kid, right? Um, where sometimes the thing that makes you stand out is the thing that makes you a part of and, and people love about you. Or sometimes that can be the thing that uh, leaves you left out. It can It could work either way, just depending on um, you know, how we approach it. So, you know, those different areas that, that, that pressure to conform to societal expectations, 
uh, appearance, academic achievement, social status, that can really uh, drive uh, teenagers to compromise their authentic selves. So what's the antidote? How do we cope with this? First, uh, we want to do two things. We want to create and cultivate meaningful relationships. And two, we want to create supportive environments. So how do we develop and cultivate meaningful relationships? One, mentorship programs. Establishing mentorship programs where older students or community members serve as mentors to younger individuals can provide a supportive framework for guidance and understanding. Two, peer support groups. Creating peer support groups within schools or communities allows teenagers to share their experiences openly, fostering a sense of camaraderie and understanding among individuals facing similar challenges. Three, we can develop communication skills workshops. Now, I'm not just talking about debate clubs. Debate clubs are great, but classes where teenagers are uh, encouraged to express their thoughts and emotions articulately. I remember when I used to substitute teach, I would have kids um, practice improv, right? We would set up scenarios, and then they would improv on how to build the scene. And I would see these kids who are kind of sheepish, sheepish, sheepish and shy start to open up like a butterfly. Hey, hey, I, I rhymed that there. Um, the fourth thing that we can do is promote inclusivity. This encourages inclusive activities and events where diversity is celebrated and helps break down social barriers. Uh, club events or projects that bring together different people of different backgrounds and interests like um, Habitat for Humanity, or uh, I have a friend, their daughter went to Costa Rica to help build homes down there. So, you know, having these different events, book clubs, and, and different things where different people of different backgrounds can come together, even volunteering at a nursing home, those types of events. And then counseling services, right? Providing, when we can provide accessible and confidential counseling services within schools or community centers, that ensures teenagers a safe place to discuss their concerns and feelings without fear of being judged or without it going against them for college. We know a lot of teenagers don't seek mental health help because they think it will um, uh, go in their report or in their transcripts and hurt their college applications. Now, moving on to how do we help, you know, teenagers create a supportive environment? One of the ways we can help teenagers create a supportive environment is through educational programs, you know, uh, things that address mental health, emotional well-being, um, and the diverse forms of bullying to help raise awareness and reduce stigma. It's when a teenager understands their brain and what's happening and understands their symptoms, there's less shame around it. So we need better mental health and physical health educational programs. Uh, The school can also incorporate anti-bullying initiatives to create a supportive environment, right? Promoting a zero-tolerance policy for bullying both online and offline. The third way we can create that supportive environment is promoting mental health resources, ensuring that information on mental health resources is readily available and destigmatized, allowing teenagers to seek help when needed via a pamphlet, 
via a monthly uh, group meeting or, um, you know, it can ha- even happen during a parent-teacher conference. Those, there are different ways of getting the mental health resources out and into the hands of the students. So it's not a big deal. Um, and then the fourth way we can create a supportive environment, get the parents involved. We have to get mama and papa or whoever the guardian is. Sometimes it's the older sibling. But getting someone else involved, uh, when we encourage parents and caregivers to actively engage in a teenager's life, it fosters uh, open communication and understanding. The, The first, I mean, the parents are the people that the children should be able to talk to and need to be able to talk to. Now, I know it doesn't always happen. Parents who are working uh, a number of jobs. And sometimes if you are the only English-speaking person in the household, you can't talk to your parents. Uh, they're just not going to understand. They, they come from a different culture. There may be some uh, cultural differences there in terms of expressing what you're going through. So, But, we, but there needs to be someone, um, an elder, that uh, we can get involved to help the child uh, move forward. And then lastly, community collaborations. When we establish collaborations between schools, local organizations, mental health professionals, and law enforcement, this creates a comprehensive support network that addresses the multifaceted challenges faced by teenagers. You know, in conclusion, what I want to say is when we can address the complexities, because it's not simple, the complexities of teen suicide driven by social isolation, humiliation, and shame, practical and actionable strategies are essential. By actively cultivating deep, meaningful relationships and creating supportive environments, society can provide adolescents with the tools and connections necessary to navigate the challenges of adolescents with resilience and hope. It is through these concerted efforts that we can work towards a future where the prevalence of teen suicide diminishes and our youth can thrive emotionally and mentally. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. If you found any value in this episode, please take seven seconds and share it with one other person. You know, if you're struggling with any of these, whether it's uh, social isolation or humiliation and shame, share what your struggle is or share, uh, uh, you know, what service that you think your school needs or your community needs in in a way of supporting those around you. Uh, Remember, this this podcast is not a substitute for you calling the 988 or any of the other 800 numbers listed in all the show notes. You can chat, call, or text. You can also go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. If you're struggling with managing your physical health, your emotional health, your mental, your spiritual, uh, your financial, any of those realms, if you're, if, you're, if you're struggling to manage and or find meaning, Go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together.